section sixteen of rough notes taken during some rapid journeys across the pampas and among the andes by francis bond head this librivox recording is in the public domain although it was midsummer the snow where we stood was according to the statement made to me by the agent of the mine from twenty to a hundred and twenty feet deep but blown by the wind into the most irregular forms while in some places the black rock was visible beneath was the river and valley of maipo fed by a number of tributary streams which we could see descending like small silver threads down the different ravines we appeared to have a bird's-eye view of the great chain of the andes and we looked down upon a series of pinnacles of indescribable shapes and forms all covered with an eternal snow the whole scene around us in every direction was devoid of vegetation and was a picture of desolation on a scale of magnificence which made it peculiarly awful and the knowledge that this vast mass of snow so cheerless in appearance was created for the use and comfort and happiness and even luxury of man that it was the inexhaustible reservoir from which the plains were supplied with water made us feel that there is no spot in creation which man should term barren though there are many which nature never intended for his residence a large cloud of smoke was issuing from one of the pinnacles which is the great volcano of san francisco and the silver load which was before us seemed to run into the centre of the crater as it was the middle of the summer i could not help reflecting what a dreadful abode this must be in winter and i inquired of our guide and of the miners concerning its climate in that season they at first silently pointed to the crosses which in groups of three and two and four were to be seen in every direction and they then told me that although the mine is altogether inaccessible for seven months in winter yet that the miners used to be kept there all the year they said that the cold was intense but that what the miners most dreaded were the merciless temporales or storms of snow which come on so suddenly that many miners had been overtaken by them and had perished when not a hundred and fifty yards from the hut with these monuments before my eyes it was really painful to consider what the feelings of those wretched creatures must have been when groping about for their habitation they found the violence of the storm unabating and irresistible it was really melancholy to trace or to fancy i could trace by the different groups or crosses the fate of the different individuals friends had huddled together and had thus died on the road others had strayed from the path 
and from the scattered crosses they had apparently died as they were searching for it one group was really in a very singular situation during a winter particularly severe the miners provisions which consist of little else than hung beef were gradually failing when a party volunteered to save themselves and the rest that they would endeavor to get over the snow into the valley of maipo and return if possible with food they had scarcely left the hut when a storm came on and they perished the crosses are exactly where the bodies were found they were all off the road two had died close together one was about ten yards off and one had climbed to the top of a large loose fragment of rock evidently to look for the hut on the road the view from san pedro nolasco taking it all together is certainly the most dreadful scene which in my life i have ever witnessed and it appeared so little adapted or intended for a human residence that when i commenced my inspection of the load and of the several mines i could not help feeling that i was going against nature and that no sentiment but that of avarice could approve of establishing a number of fellow creatures in a spot which was a subject of astonishment to me how it ever was discovered as the snow was in many places fifty feet deep on the load i could only walk on the surface from one boca mina to another but when i had done this i took off my clothes and went down the mine which it was my particular object to inspect all the rest had long ago been deserted but in this one there were a few miners lately sent there who were carrying on the works on the old system which had been exercised by the spaniards and to which these men have all their lives been accustomed at first we descended by an inclined gallery or level and then clambered down the notched sticks which are used in all the mines in south america as ladders after descending about two hundred and fifty feet walking occasionally along levels where the snow and mud were above our ankles we came to the place where the men were working it was astonishing to see the strength with which they plied their weighty hammers and the unremitted exertion with which they worked and strange as it may appear we all agreed that we had never seen englishmen possess such strength and work so hard while the barreteros or miners were working the load the apires were carrying the ore upon their backs and after we had made the necessary observations and had collected proper specimens we ascended with several of these apires above and below us the fatigue of climbing up the notched sticks was so great that we were almost exhausted while the men behind us with a long stick in one hand in the cloven end of which there was a candle 
were urging us not to stop them the leading apire whistled whenever he came to certain spots and then the whole party rested for a few seconds it was really very interesting in looking above and below to see these poor creatures each lighted by his candle and climbing up the notched stick with such a load upon his back though i occasionally was a little afraid lest one of those above me might tumble in which case we should have all preceded him in his fall we were quite exhausted when we came to the mouth of the mine one of my party almost fainted and as the sun had long ago set the air was so bleak and freezing we were so heated and the scene was so cheerless that we were glad to hurry into the hut and to sit upon the ground round a dish of meat which had long been ready for us we had some brandy and sugar and we soon refreshed ourselves and i then sent out for one of the apiris with his load i put it on the ground and endeavored to rise with it but could not and when two or three of my party put it on my shoulders i was barely able to walk under it the english miner who was with us was one of the strongest men of all the cornish party yet he was scarcely able to walk with it and two of our party who attempted to support it were altogether unable and exclaimed that it would break their backs the load which we tried was one of specimens which i had paid the apire to bring up for me and which weighed more than usual but not much and he had carried it up with me and was above me during the whole of the ascent while we were at one end of the hut drinking brandy and water seated upon our saddles and lighted by a brown tallow candle which was stuck into a bottle and which was not three yards from a hide filled with gunpowder the few miners we had seen at work had been relieved by others who were to work through the night they came into the hut and without taking the least notice of us prepared their supper which was a very simple operation the men took their candles out of the cloven sticks and in the cleft they put a piece of dried beef this they warmed for a few seconds over the embers which were burning on the ground and they then ate it and afterwards drank some melted snow water out of a cow's horn their meal being over they then enjoyed the only blessing fortune had allotted to them which was rest from their labor they said nothing to each other but as they sat upon the sheepskin which was the only bed they had some fixed their eyes upon the embers while others seemed to ruminate upon other objects i gave them what brandy i had and asked them if they had no spirits to which they gave me the usual answer that miners are never allowed to have spirits and with this law they seemed to be perfectly satisfied when one contrasted their situation with the independent life of the gaucho it was surprising that they should voluntarily continue a life of such hardship
departure from santiago december thirty first santiago midnight mules arrived for us to recross the cordillera to return to buenos aires a large drove two mules for each person spare ones for the baggage at one o'clock in the morning the mules were laden and ready went across the street to the fonda to get some breakfast which was laid for us at one end of a long table at the other end were two scotchmen sitting without their coats waistcoats or neckcloths midsummer they had been drinking in the new year in their heads there was more brandy than brains yet their hearts were still true to their old respected mither the room was evidently moving round them they were singing with action old lang syne and the one that was pitted with the smallpox seemed to feel it as much as the other they held out glasses to us and begged us to join them we declined amusing contrast between them and the gravity of my party drinking tea with their pistols in their belts and prepared for a long journey full chorus of rule britannia then god save the king shook hands with the two scotchmen drank half a glass of their brandy and then mounting our mules we groped along in the dark towards the black mountains of the cordillera return to mendoza got to uspallata late in the evening with two of the party at sunset the rest arrived mules tired the maestro de posta had three horses and being anxious to get on to mendoza ninety miles three of us rode all night we had three times travelled the road and therefore went by ourselves about halfway we saw a fire on the ground and by the blaze we perceived some person near it rode up to light our cigars called several times but found no one on arriving at the hut near via vicencia we mentioned the circumstance and were told it was probably an englishman who had passed the hut that day on foot that he had probably been afraid of us and had concealed himself or had run away rested and then got fresh horses at via vicencia the sun was most dreadfully hot we galloped across the plain forty-five miles each at our best pace proceeded straggling like the wounded curiati i got to mendoza three hours before the second he got in two hours before the third whose horse was tired on the road in riding along the plain i passed a dead horse about which were forty or fifty condors many of them were gorged and unable to fly several were standing on the ground devouring the carcass the rest hovering above it i rode within twenty yards of them one of the largest of the birds was standing with one foot on the ground and the other on the horse's body display of muscular strength as he lifted the flesh and tore off great pieces sometimes shaking his head and pulling with his beak and sometimes pushing with his leg got to mendoza and went to bed wakened by one of my party who arrived he told me that seeing the condors hovering in the air 
and knowing that several of them would be gorged he had also ridden up to the dead horse and that as one of these enormous birds flew about fifty yards off and was unable to go any further he rode up to him and then jumping off his horse seized him by the neck the contest was extraordinary and the recontra unexpected no two animals can well be imagined less likely to meet than a cornish miner and a condor and few could have calculated a year ago when the one was hovering high above the snowy pinnacles of the cordillera and the other many fathoms beneath the surface of the ground in cornwall that they would ever meet to wrestle and hug upon the wide desert plain of via vicencia my companion said he had never had such a battle in his life that he put his knee upon the bird's breast and tried with all his strength to twist his neck but the condor objecting to this struggled violently and that also as several others were flying over his head he expected they would attack him he said that at last he succeeded in killing his antagonist and with great pride he showed me the large feathers from his wings but when the third horseman came in he told us he had found the condor in the path but not quite dead End of section 16